Well, I kind of feel like I need to talk in the third person now and say, thank you, Nathan. Thank you, choir. Brooks actually told me, he said, if, if the music goes too long today, he said, you can just fuss at the music guy. And if the preaching goes too long, then the music guy can fuss at the preacher. And so um, the last thing I want to do this morning is for anybody to see me as a preacher, because that's something that I know that I'm not. But um, as you know, Brooks is out today, and um, you're, you're stuck with me for the entire service this morning. But, you know, when he asked me to fill in for him a couple weeks ago, we, we thought this is such a great opportunity for us to be able to share further about our Philippines ministry, because if you do know me, you know that the Philippines has a very special place in my heart. And so today I wanted to share, not just through God's word and things that he's challenged me in, but also just to um, talk a little bit more about our trip and the things that God was able to do through our team and through you while we went and while we served. And you know, it's interesting because um, the word that stands out to me the most as I think about the Philippines and and as I hear Jason share about um, the experiences we've had, and if if you've known anyone from our church that has ever been the word that stands out to me the most is the word servant. And, you know, it's interesting because we go there to serve. God has called us to go there and serve that area of the world. But while we're there, we are actually the ones who end up being served more than what we ever realize. And when we walk away and we come home, we realize that, man, was that a mission trip for us to give or was that an opportunity for them to give because we're able to just partner with them in such a rich way. And so a scripture that um, I just wanted to read through this morning is um, in in the book of Philippians, actually. So if you do have your Bibles, would you open those up to Philippians? And um, I wanted to look at chapter 2. And, um, you know, talking about how God um, gives us people in our lives that serve us, um, this is such a perfect picture of how when Christ came to earth, he was the perfect servant for us. And that's, that's the last thing that we would think about God as a servant. But um, if, you know, um, if you know this passage, you know that this is a, um, a great reflection on the humility of Christ. And so it's, it's on page 1,633 in my Bible. I don't know if that helps you all or not, but um, the, the Philippians is in the New Testament. And let's look at um, chapter 2, verse 1. The heart of a servant is what I want to talk about this morning. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, and I, I look at this and there are so there are so many things in this passage to to me, when I read this, I almost become overwhelmed and maybe even a little intimidated as to the things that God would have for his people. And, you know, sometimes I think um, being a servant is not always a thing that we would like to maybe consider ourselves, although it's something that God would call us to be. Um, has anybody seen the recent movie that was out called um, The Help? A very good movie um, taking place, you know, years ago when, when people ac- actually had... Um, almost slaves working in their homes and the way that those people were treated. And sometimes we view those people as maybe being less than us or not worthy. 
because some, sometimes being, um, climbing the ladder of success means that you will have people under you that serve you. But that's not what this, that's not what this passage talks about. Let's read verse 5 again. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And as I look at this passage, I, I feel like God is telling us that we need, we need to imitate his humility by becoming a servant. And um, this morning, as I was just kind of looking through this passage and thinking about what I could share with you, um, I wanted just to look at three things that, that God just kind of pricked my heart, three, three areas where we could all focus on to have a heart of a servant. And the first is this. It's to, have, um, to be compassionate. To have the heart of a servant, you need to be compassionate. We need to be compassionate. I say that to myself as well. In verse 1, it says, if you have any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And I think many of us, you probably would agree, many people that we know, we just have that natural instinct, I think, to be compassionate. Um, what drives you to be compassionate? You know, each of us may have a different, um, a different area of life where we're compassionate to those, maybe those who don't have jobs or those that are struggling in other ways, and we want to come alongside of them and help them. Um, some of us may not be wired in that way, and that's something that, you know, maybe it does need to be taught, and we need to be taught about having the, the insight and just the awareness of knowing when to be compassionate. The other day, um, we were driving home from dinner. Um, Lauren and Addie and Liam and I, we had gone to one of our favorite restaurants in town called Sweet Potatoes, and, um, and Addie didn't eat all of her food. And so we got the little to-go container, and we were on our way home, and we were coming off of the Truman Parkway right there by Home Depot. And many of you have maybe driven that same area, and you have noticed there's a, a, very often there will be people standing on the corner there with, with signs saying, you know, I'm homeless, I need food, please pray for me, I need, I need a ride to get to wherever. And Addie said, what's that man doing? And so we began to talk with her about how, well, that man doesn't have a house, and, you know, he's, he's standing there so people will help him. And we ended up rolling down our, our window, and we gave him... We gave him Addie's leftover food from sweet potatoes, and he came up and he said, God bless you. And, well, then the questions really started rolling. Where is he going to eat that, and is he going to like what I ordered and all of that stuff? And we got home that night, and even, in, even when it was time to say prayers for bed, Addie started to pray for this man. And she could not understand, well, where is he going to sleep tonight? Well, we said he doesn't have a house. He'll just have to find somewhere warm. Yeah, but where is his bed? It's like she just could not understand that there are people less fortunate than her. And we talked with her about how to be a servant, it means to reach out to people like that and to be able to help people like that. Well, the next day, she didn't finish her lunch once again. We're at, this time we're eating at home, and she said, we should bring my food to that man on the side of the road. And I thought, man, how awesome is that, that God would prick a little three-year-old's heart with some compassion. And I think that's exactly what that is. And, you know, when we went to the Philippines, every day we would run into instances of compassion and needs that we could meet. And, you know, sometimes we would see a, a small child who would maybe be this tall, We'd be walking around doing visits, and we'd be like, hi, what's your name? And they would tell us, well, how old are you? 17. You're 17? And we would find out just because of the, the, um, the inability for medicines for pregnant ladies and for the prenatal care that sometimes kids are that, that old and that small. Sometimes we would see babies that would have been bitten by a, an insect or a dog, and they would have a tumor the size of a softball connected to their head. And you know, if they had a little package of Neosporin, when they got that bite, they would be completely fine. 
And so we would learn a lot while we were in the Philippines about how we could meet needs. Sometimes needs, we just have to, we really just have to understand that's just the way it is here. And that was such a hard pill for us to swallow. There is one story, and I don't want to talk too long about this, but this is a story that um, if I had to say on this last trip was the best experience for me, this is what it would be. And I just wanted to share, you, share with you a story about a little boy named Rizal. And um, his name was Rizal because there's a, um, a Philippine national hero called Jose Rizal. He was kind of like their Abe Lincoln or their George Washington, kind of equivalent to our 4th of July day. And um, they're very popular in the Philippines for naming their kids after strange things. So this man's, this little boy, he's, he was born on Rizal Day. So guess what his name is? Rizal Day. So can you imagine naming your kid, hi, this is the 4th of July, or hey, this is Valentine's Day. But his name was Rizal Day, and they called him Rizal for short. And I have some pictures. I want you to um, put those up there for just a second. This is the first picture. But Jay and I were out visiting one day sharing the gospel. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with her mother, with his mother, and several other ladies. And Jay kind of got all of the kids away and started to share the gospel through balloons and fun stuff with the kids. But ultimately, we try to kind of get the kids away because there's so many of them and they can be just a distraction to the parents. And so while I'm sharing the gospel with his mother, um, Jay is playing with all of these, these kids out kind of behind the house. Well, the, the, praise the Lord, the mother accepted Christ that day with some of her other friends. And as we were getting ready to leave... Jake pulled me aside. He said, look at this little boy over here. And as you can see on his arm, he has like a dish towel wrapped around his arm. And underneath the dish towel is like a ruler, like a six-inch ruler. He had fallen out of a tree the day before, and they think that he had broken his arm. Well, he was in a lot of pain, and you can't really see it in the picture there, but his hand had swollen up to maybe three times the size of his normal hand because of the infection that was setting in from just one day after he had this accident. And so Jay said, we have got to help this little boy. And we said, yeah, you know, we need to help him. Is this one of those times to be compassionate or is this one of those times to say, that's just the way it is? Well, we, we went on our merry way. About two hours later, we're eating dinner and Jay is like, I can't stop thinking about that little boy. We need to go check on him and figure out what we can do. And so we talked to Barry and a couple of the missionaries and we just said, we really want to help him. In fact, our team is prepared to do whatever it takes to help this little boy with his arm, knowing that likely he had a broken arm with this infection that was setting in. His arm would probably eventually need to be cut off if it was not treated. And so we went back to the little boy's house that night. It was pitch black. Go ahead and put the next picture up. We went to the boy's house, and we found out that they have, I can't remember if it was 9 or 11 people that live in this tiny little house. They have one bed, probably no bigger than like the size of just a, a full-size bed that um, many of us probably sleep in all by ourselves. But when we got to the road, we could hear this boy crying inside of his house. Before we were even 100 yards to the house, we could hear him crying. And so we went up to the door. Go ahead and put the next picture up. And we um, asked to speak with the mother. I guess I just got a little head. You can see eventually we took him to the hospital. But um, we talked to the mom and the dad, and we said, we want to help your son. Would you let us help your son? And we said, we are prepared to, to take him to the hospital. He need, may need to stay overnight, but we want to get him to a doctor so that his arm can be, can be taken care of. And they, they graciously said, yes, that's fine. You can bring him to the hospital. Well, after a series of things, we said, well, we'll come back in a half an hour. And we went back, and we got bananas and blankets and all kinds of stuff to, to help um, just kind of take care of him on the way. But this is the emergency room that we ended up in. And um, I wish you could see the outside of the hospital because it's not the hospitals that we think of. But, you know, it's very relative, I think, to where we are as well because you think of our hospitals a lot of times they're probably cleaner than most of our homes and uh, when we go there we feel like we're going to be very well taken care of well when we got in this hospital we almost were in a little bit of culture shock just because of how white and clean everything all of a sudden was now the hospital wasn't to our standards but for that family 
they were they were ready to to receive the care. Go ahead and put the next the next slide up. So we we um, talked to the doctor and they said we're we're willing to help. The doctor actually was not there. They called the doctor from his house. He came in like with his jeans and he wanted to help the little boy, and he said I'll be willing to help him. Here's the list of the things I need, and he gave us like this sticky note of all like gloves, syringe, medicine, gauze, and we had to go find a pharmacy in the middle of this jungle town to buy all of these things to help this boy because it was a public hospital and they don't just treat everybody who comes in because they probably they can't afford it so this is the pharmacy across the street and we went to this little place they've got all of the, it's like an open air place we walked up to the counter and gave them the list and she gave us all of the stuff we walked back gave it to the doctor well this just went on for a very long time we got and then as soon as we got back to the hospital here's another list of some more stuff that we need so we'd go back and then we that pharmacy wouldn't have what we needed and by the end of the time we knew that that little town and all the pharmacies very very well and it was crazy because along the way i went into this one pharmacy and i found pringles they had pringles they had cocoa krispies and they had kit kats and I was about ready to buy out the whole store and bring them back to the team because that's not stuff that we normally see while we're there. So anyway, we, we, got the, we got the boy some help. You can go ahead and put the next picture up. And they were able to put a cast on his arm, a hard cast and a sling. And um, when he went back home that night, he was like a little hero in his house. Everybody was so excited to see him come in with this little cast on. And he was smiling, as you can see. Go ahead and put another picture up. I think you can see a good picture of him smiling. And just the sweetest little boy, Brazal. But... Um, so appreciative, so thankful, but in many ways very, very shy about the help that we were able to give them. And I think it's because, number one, they couldn't speak a lot of English, but it's got to be intimidating to live in the middle of the jungle and all of a sudden have five, like, big old giant Americans coming in your house saying, you know, come with us, we're going to help you, little boy. You know, and so um, we were so grateful to be able to help him. And to me, that's just a, a, a way that we could show God's compassion and God's love to him. And Barry said to me, Barry Phillips, he said, you know, there is no doubt in my mind that from the compassion that you showed this family, that they will end up involved with our church. And eventually their whole family will probably come to know the Lord. Of course, his mom was a Christian that day. But what a practical follow-up of how the body of Christ operates after she was saved that day. And so I think for each of us, if we are able to cultivate compassion and be intentional about showing the tenderness that God would have for us, um, we would really see great results in our own lives as we become servants. And that was the way we were able to really serve, serve that family. And so um, I think there's maybe one more picture of the whole family that um, you can just see. And um, that's just a couple of them. They have a teenage daughter who's expecting. We asked her at the hospital, well, when, when is your baby due? And she said, now. And we're like, oh, no, we're going to have to, like, deliver a baby and fix this broken arm all at the same time. And thankfully, um, she didn't have the baby. Hopefully by now she has. But um, pray for that little boy if you ever think of him. His name is Rizal, and um, he has an appointment to go back to have his cast removed on March the 5th. And so we have all of those notes, and we're going to try to follow up with the, um, with the folks in the Philippines very soon. So um, that was just one, one area that we were able to show compassion. And you know, certainly in America, that's an unrealistic thing. You're not going to find somebody with a broken arm that you're just going to go pay for. Because you know that all of the expense that we incurred to help him, I think it was like $30 for the surgeon, for the cast, for all of the medicine he needed. Isn't that unreal? And to think this family would have never, never been able to do that. And so to God be the glory for that, not, not, a, not unto us at all. So the first point, again, to have the heart of a servant, you need to be compassionate. But also to have the, the heart of a servant. As I'm looking at this passage and thinking on our last trip, you need to be unified. And in verse 2, it says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And, you know, I think of what, what does unity mean? I think a lot of times we may think of unity as being 
not argumentative or make sure that we're all doing the same thing, which I think is true. But I think in the body of Christ, when God calls us to be unified, he is saying through your giving, through your service, through your volunteering, all of those different things, all those different opportunities that we have to serve God through unity. And I think we can approach life expecting to be served or we can look for opportunities to serve others. We have a choice to make. I think we can choose our attitude. Where, where will we be? Will we be up here and saying, I'm too good? Or will, will we be down here saying, I just want to be a servant. I just want to serve and help. And, um, you know, as I look at this team, as we were preparing to go, I was just amazed at some of the unity that would take place as people, many of you would give, many of you would pray so that this team would be able to go. There was one wife who came to the, the church office. This was maybe two trips ago. But it reminded me as I was looking at this passage, she, her husband was going on the trip and she came into the office and she said, I have some cash that I want to give to my husband's mission account, but I do not want him to know that this came from me. Isn't that unreal? What a testimony of being a servant, of not needing the recognition, of having that humility that God would call us to have. I think that um, for that particular couple who I happen to know very well, I don't even know if to this day he's aware that his wife funded part of his trip. And it would be so easy to say, I got some extra cash and I saved up and I helped you. But it's not about what we can give. It's about how God can use us. I think of our church in general. You hear Brooks stand up here all the time and say, we need more people in preschool. We need more people to do this. We need more people to do that. We have a great team of volunteers here that are working in unity to ultimately achieve the goal that, call, that God has called us to achieve. But we can always have more people. The body of Christ has so many parts. If we were all feet, it would be a really stinky place, right? If we were all eyes, we would not be able to, to go where we go. If we were all ears, we would hear, but we would never be able to put into action. And so I think as we look to have the heart of a servant and to be unified in what we do, I think that God will work through us in an incredible way. One thing I wrote down as I was looking here was um, true service doesn't dictate where or when we serve. Have you ever thought about that before? Sometimes you say, I just want to serve in the choir because it's fun. Or I want to serve with the students because I have a teenager and that's, that's really all I feel like I need to do is be with the teenagers. Have you ever thought about where God has really called you to serve? In the nursery? Behind the scenes? Maybe the places that aren't recognized? I think we all hear the stories of people saying, you know, they didn't recognize me and they didn't notice me. I think a bigger question is, when you are serving the Lord, do you notice when nobody notices? It's a very humbling thought when you think of the service that we have and the service that we are to give. It's just ultimately to the Lord. It's not for our own recognition. Um, I believe that um, as we were going to the Philippines, we um, were preparing in a lot of ways to teach our team how to share the gospel. And as we shared the gospel um, with each other and as we kind of looked through our outlines, we had several team members who had never been able to do that before. And it was just a neat, it's always a neat process just to see what scriptures do I use. And, you know, for you, you may have never actually sat down and just shared the gospel with a total stranger. And I know for me, I thought, I know the Lord. I've been a Christian for a long time. But what would I say first? Like, where do you start when you think of, I've been a Christian for so long. How How do I even know really where to begin well, we had gone through all of that, the Romans road, and we had prepared the best that we could. We get to the Philippines, and we find out the Americans will not be sharing the gospel. Can you imagine if we would have gotten all mad and said, what? We prepared, and we're ready, and you must listen to us share the gospel. We were, we were ready to be servants. We were ready to be in unity with what they had for us, 
And the unique thing, and Jason mentioned this a little bit, but we, many of us, have been to the Philippines and shared our faith for the very first time. Well, on this trip, they, they have begun to equip the church members and the church leaders to begin sharing their faith. And so for the first time, for them, they were sharing their faith in the same places that we had shared before. Only now our purpose was really just to affirm and to encourage and to kind of come alongside of them in unity to help them. And man, they were nervous, just like we get nervous. And I, sometimes the language barrier, I think, in the Philippines is an easy thing to hide behind because it's very easy to go up to somebody in the Philippines and say, if you were to die today, where would you go? And then you hear somebody say, you know, and then they like repeat it. Would you ever go up to somebody on the street and just say, hey, if you were to die right now, where would you go? You'd probably get shot. And so sometimes that language barrier there is is an easy way for us to share the gospel because sometimes we're not actually doing the talking. But they had church members that would come together. They would assemble their friends and their coworkers, and they would share the gospel in their native tongue. And they had it all written out, and their hands were just a trembling. But, you know, every visit that, that our team was on, we would see people come to know the Lord. And, and the heartbeat of, of the Philippines now is for those people to be um, followed up with through discipleship. It's not just like a drive-by, get 600 people saved, and be on our way to the next part of the jungle. It's more of a let's take a step back and see how we can help all of these people. And so um, there's a couple traits of a humble person that, um, that I wrote down that I wanted to um, point out. A humble person, and you could ask yourself this, do they focus on others? The answer should be yes. Are they celebrating people who changed them? In other words, not, maybe not taking the recognition for yourself, something else that somebody did for you. Are, you. are you quick to say, this person helped me out, this person invested in me? Do they embrace and share their, their frailties and their mistakes? Can you see their heart? I think that's all part of being unified in the body of Christ, to be able to look, to look at ourselves in that humble way, which brings us to the third point. It talks about, in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So the third point is be humble. How can I have the heart of a servant? Be compassionate, be unified, and be humble. And as I said earlier, when we arrive in the Philippines, we are there ready to gung-ho serve. If they, if they tell us you need to go in the back and just pick weeds for the next three weeks while you're here, we should say, praise God, we're here to pick weeds. And somehow God is going to use that, that service of being willing to do something maybe that nobody notices. But, you know, the humility that we saw were from the people that did serve us. We had a team of ladies that would cook every meal for us, breakfast, lunch, and supper. And we would we'd be finishing up with breakfast. The plates wouldn't even be cleared yet, and they'd already be, like, frying up the stuff for lunch and, and cleaning up. We had ladies who also did our laundry. Every day we could just set out our laundry. And they iron everything, and I mean everything. And they also hang it out on the line for everybody to see. So after having been several times, I've learned that there's sometimes you need to take brand new certain items so that as they're hanging out on the line, you're like, yeah, that's mine, and you can claim it with no, with no shame. Every once in a while, there would be something that would just be hanging there all week long, and nobody would say, yeah, that's not mine, that's not mine. But they would, they would clean the stuff to a T. They would iron your socks. They would iron everything and give it back to you, like, better than Dry Clean USA. Like, you get it back on a table, and you, you almost didn't even want to, like, put it on because it was so perfectly 
um, ready for you to wear. But man, what hearts of servants. What humility that these people would, would wash our clothes and take care of us in such a way. We would, we would hop on uh, motorcycles and tricycles, and they would be so careful to make sure that we were safe and that we were taken care of. Not on this trip, but previous trips. It would be pouring down rain, and they would, they would get all this plastic out, and they would like wrap it all around so that as we go down the road, the wind wouldn't hit us. Meanwhile, they're like driving, and they're like getting beat in the face like with pellets, but they didn't ever say, I don't want to drive this tricycle because I'm going to get wet. It probably is even going to hurt me. And so they would do just unbelievable things to, to show the humility. Um, in verse 8, it says, um, this is talking about when Jesus Christ became a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I think of the richness that came to Christ Jesus as he died for each of us and paid the penalty for our sin. You think he could say, I'm God, I'm not going to do that. I am way better than this. I think of the Philippines. I'm not going to clean your underwear. I'm way better than that. The heart of a servant, being humble. How can we be Christ-like in our humility? I think that as we focus on Christ in our lives and as we look at ways that we can just put ourselves aside and put us almost at the level of the help, that's where the riches are. You know, there's a song that we sing a lot that says, down at your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, Lord, I seek your face. And I think that should be our prayer, that when we're down on our knees, we can experience the utmost humility that God would call us to have. And, you know, as we imitate Christ's humility, I think, well, what does God look like? Have your, if you have kids, has your kid ever said, well, what does God look like? I think of that a lot when we're in the Philippines because we always think that God will be an American white guy with, you know, dark hair. They probably think he's a Filipino. And we kind of joke with them sometimes, are we going to speak English in heaven or are we going to speak Tagalog? And we, we say we look forward to that day when we don't have to worry about a language barrier because our, our, our bond in Christ is so rich. It's not about words that we can say. Because for many of them, some of my closest, dearest friends over there, I consider them closer than some of my family members. And my, my conversation with them is very limited as to what I can even say and what I can even understand. But knowing that we're unified in spirit and in purpose when we're there, through the humility that God has called us, is just unbelievable. Well, I've wondered about what God would look like, and I just kind of was making, making some ideas in my mind about um, if I've ever seen God, what would he look like? And I feel like after being in the Philippines, I feel like I have seen God. I've seen his hands through the way that we were served while we were there. I've seen him through the indescribable beauty of the mountains, the jungle, the beaches, and just simply through parts of creation that have never, ever been touched by anyone in this world before. There's a place that the team goes for our R&R day. It's a waterfall, just a beautiful place. And I was saying to Barry, how, really, how many Americans do you think have ever been to this very spot in the Philippines? He said probably less than 300. And to think, man, I am seeing something that very few people in this world will ever see. They ought to, like, stick a big Hampton Inn, like, right in the middle of that thing so everyone can go and stay there and see it. But then it wouldn't be untouched anymore. It's just God's beauty. I feel like I've seen God through the beautiful smiles of the people. I've seen him through the passion of the Christians and the joy that they have from serving the Lord. And I think that's where we are able to sharpen one another. As we're there serving them, they're there serving us. We're all in unity together. We're able to be compassionate to their people. We're able to be unified in everything that we do. But none of that would be possible if we didn't have the humility that Christ demonstrated us to us through this chapter.
we, in our conference room here at the church, there's a verse on the wall. It comes from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Would you turn there real quick? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Let me read that again. Just think about that. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The message that we bring is not ourselves. And I think the people around us today, in your workplace, at your homes, the people that you're with on a daily basis, they need to see that Jesus is alive in us. Because we serve others in, in Jesus' name. We are his body, his hands of compassion, his heart of mercy, his voice of tenderness. And as we lift up Jesus, not just by telling others about him, but we can serve others as his servants. And sometimes that's what will speak louder than anything else as we serve with, a, with the heart of Christ. So this morning, as, um, as I prepare to close, um, I just really want to challenge you. What, what does your heart of a servant look like? What, what are the things that you maybe think, you know, I'm, I think we all get along pretty well. But is the unity maybe greater than just getting along well? Is it, are, you, are you intent on one purpose on what God's called you to do? How is your compassion checking out? How are, you, how, how are you doing with thinking about others and thinking of way that you can meet needs when God has blessed you in a really rich way, when God has blessed me in a rich way? I would love to see that man on the corner of Truman Parkway again. I would love to see him and say, you, you've in a way changed my daughter's life. And without his even, without a, even his choice, he kind of became a servant to us as we were able to serve him. And then, of course, the humility. You know, I think as we, as we pray through this chapter, we can pray for God to really prick our hearts to have the heart of a servant. As it says in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I think that's the, the hardest thing because we, myself included, we fail at that all the time because we're not Christ. But praise God for the forgiveness that he gives us. So um, let me pray, and we're going to move into our invitation time. And, um, and I've got a song that I want to um, sing this morning for the invitation. And I really just want you to have the freedom to come up and just pray at the altar if you feel led, if you want to just pray right there in your seat. But the, it's a song that I found a couple years ago that actually comes right out of Philippians chapter 2. And so um, for me, I love music. I love the way that it speaks to my heart. I love the way that it allows me to, to memorize God's word and to remember the things that God is trying to teach me. And so um, let's pray this morning that God would give us what we need to have the heart of a servant. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, and I truly do thank you for how you give us what we need for each day. Lord, you know our situations. Lord, you know the opportunities that you're going to give us even before we experience those opportunities. And I pray that in this place this morning, Lord, that we would, we would truly check ourselves. Lord, that we would have the heart of a servant, Lord, as you did. Lord, and that you would put within us the tenderness that you desire for your people to have. Lord, as we look at our humility, Lord, that you would remove the selfishness in our ways. I thank you, Lord, for your word and how we can learn and apply so much. Lord, and how you orchestrate our circumstances here on this earth to illustrate your word to us. So I pray that you would Change us, Lord. Encourage us this morning as we continue to worship. And it's in your name I pray all of these things. Amen.